The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery podcast. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. We're basically a couple of recovery nerds and ordained unity ministers sharing our experience, strength, and hope on this spiritual journey of addiction recovery. We hope that something you hear today will be helpful to you on your own recovery journey. We invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. Just send an email to spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. And Facebook users, you can message us from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And please help us carry the message by following and subscribing to Spirit of Recovery on your favorite podcast platform. Our episode today is titled, Give It Away to Keep It. When we answer the call to assist another alcoholic or addict on their recovery path, we do so with generosity and gratitude. We do not pay our sponsors. We do not expect payment from our sponsees. Recovery must be free from commerce if we are to be successful. Now, yes, there may be medical professionals involved in our recovery at first, and we certainly quote, render unto Caesar as appropriate at that time. But we do not buy or sell recovery. We give freely and receive freely in gratitude. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on giving and receiving freely and the joys that accompany it. Yes, so we're beginning by looking at how how it was, how we were before, right? With having a what's in it for me kind of um, way of seeing things. So it's it's funny because we were talking about this before the show. I just say it straight up. I am by nature a selfish, self-centered person. Not in a way, not in, I want to say not in a bad way. How is there not a, not a bad right. way of being? In a, <laughs> in in a, a bad good way. way. In a good way, of course. <laughs> It's not because I want to be like that or because I don't care about other people because I do care very deeply about other people um, and especially animals and nature. I care about other things. I care about the planet. I'm self-centered because it takes so much, like we were joking about before the program, it takes so much um it takes so much self-focus for me to keep this whole thing going. This to keep myself functioning and, um, you know, do the things that I need to do, like I say, to keep myself going, to be functional. Um, It just, a dear friend of mine has a very funny saying um, where he says, it takes a lot to maintain all this. (laughs) That's right. As he sort of gestures to himself. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And, and, you know, and I hate to sound like a broken record, um, you know, trauma, 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 but I do believe this is a trauma response. Those of us that had whatever kind of emotional or other types of trauma in childhood, um, we had to learn to cope 
with the trauma, right? We had to learn to take care of ourselves, um, to focus on ourselves and focus on keeping ourselves um, coping and functioning. And, and if we didn't have childhood trauma, which I think we would be hard pressed to find an alcoholic or addict who didn't have some sort of childhood trauma, um, then we learned these things as addicts, right? Because it took a lot of self-focus to survive as addicts, as alcoholics. We had to focus on ourselves and focus on like not making a mess of things and just keeping going, you know? So um, it's something that a lot of us share. I know it's definitely a thing for me. Um, so recovery has been a journey of trying to break out of that a little bit. I love our third step prayer. Um, it's really helpful for that. Free me from the bondage of self. When I heard that, I was like, yeah. yes, because like I say, it's not like being self-centered and self-focused is fun. No, and it's not, it's it's not like we want to. No, we it's don't just, want right. to be we that way. We would like to find our way out. Yeah. And so it is a bondage. And so recovery is a process of freeing ourselves from the bondage of self. Yeah. You know, we often begin um, in this way, uh, you know, in the, uh, of course, because we want to share what, what we were like before. Right. right. What is this whole spiritual recovery journey about and to to share that we have to be willing to share the not so pretty parts of what it was like before and once again i find myself drawn to that phrase from the literature this on page 62 driven by a hundred forms of fear self-delusion self-seeking and self-pity i didn't choose that but i have to acknowledge that that is a not a bad description of how <laughs> where I found myself without realizing it with having no idea that that was the case nothing to compare it to you know it's not like I all of a sudden became that way and realized oh man you know I used to be like this and that. no I've always been I had always been like that mm -hmm. and so starting from that place you know that's one of the many kind of unpleasant moments of awakening that we yes. do on this path yeah. Uh, the good news is uh, it works if you work it and the gifts of being on and staying on a, re a recovery path are immense. I would never, you know, go back. I, I wouldn't undo anything, you know, every yeah. painful step along the way. And they haven't all been painful, but there have been painful steps along the way. I wouldn't I wouldn't undo any of it. And the other thing that comes to mind, and sometimes you and I talk about the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't heard about that before, the E-N-N-E-A-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, -E -E the Enneagram um, is a way that tells us, basically, I think of it as how my brain is wired. Yeah. Like, what are my default ways of taking in information and processing information or taking in experiences and processing them? I have some default wiring, so to speak. And I am, and each, there's nine types and they have a number and mine happens to be five. And one of the, the, the hallmarks of a Enneagram five is that we're very concerned, even primarily driven by uh, the ability to tell the difference between what is real and what's not real. Hmm. And so that comes to mind for me you know talking about a hundred forms of fear etc cetera, etc cetera, that fear for me is rooted in this this um 
I don't know a better word than fear for it that I can't tell what's real from what's not real. Now, I've actually gotten pretty good at it because it's a major driver in my psyche, you know, in my in my uh, inner life, in my mind. So that's my starting point in all of this is sort of uh, an outlook on the world based on discomfort and fear, stuff like worried about not having enough, you know, everyone can identify with that. Yeah. And then uh, underneath it all worried about not being able to tell the difference between what is actually real and what's not, which has to be, like you said, some kind of trauma response. How yes. could it not be? It has to be something. Yes. I don't know what, and in a way it doesn't matter. I don't need to like figure that out or anything. I just need to be willing to encounter it right here and right now, exactly as it is. That's where I begin. I don't yeah. begin however many decades ago, you know, trying to like write a film script to explain it all. That's not helpful. What's helpful is can I, can I um, acknowledge and, and see it and experience it, feel it, et cetera, right here and right now. So that's kind of my starting point in all of this. Yes. Well, as we say a lot on this program, or as I say a lot, um, this 12-step program is really a program of self-discovery and self-awareness. So it's really, it is sort of a self-centered program in that sense, because we've got to figure out what is going on with us before we can get well, right? We've got to figure out what is it that's happening in me that is causing me so much trouble that is causing me to drink that is causing me to have interpersonal issues um and so we have to do a lot of introspection a lot of time peeling away the layers that we have built up to hide these uh sort of bad wiring or or whatever you want to call it um because we build up a lot of things to hide it right so your way is what you were just describing with the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram three. So my way is um, being performative and seeking external validation. So as long as people love me and I'm getting all this external validation and encouragement and, you know, as long as everyone thinks I'm wonderful, things are great. But um, sooner or later, they're not going to think I'm wonderful. And then the whole house of cards comes down, right? That's a good description. Same with me. The whole house of cards comes tumbling down. Yeah. So, so I have really had to do a lot of looking at like, how did I get this way? I did have to go back and look a lot at early childhood things. What is it that happened to me that caused me to um, have this faulty wiring? Um, and what is, what it was the need of mine that wasn't met, you know, a need for safety, a need for, um, a need for, um, well, validation, right? A need for validation as a child. And, um, and, and so knowing that those things weren't there, how can I then begin the journey of giving that to myself? And that's a lifelong journey. But the beginning, it all begins with the self-discovery. And um, we do have to look at things that are not pleasant. Like I remember, you know, I can remember times when I really got hit with a real dose of like, oh my God, Michelle, like how self-centered I actually was, mm -hmm. which began as a coping mechanism to survive. Didn't begin because I'm a bad person, began because I needed to survive. I had to focus on myself in order to overcome my trauma, um, but then becomes a real defect, right? So I had to look at that and um, the times that it began to be uncovered or was called out in me or whatever, that was not comfortable. 
not comfortable at all. You know, if you're in recovery and you're, you know, you're around the sort of fourth, fifth step, sixth, seventh, those steps, you know, you're engaged in this process of um, beginning to look at, okay, so I heard there was a speaker once who called them our grubs, like when you overturn a rock and underneath there's all these grubs running around. So these are our grubs. So recovery is a process of turning over the rock and seeing the grubs that are under there. Um, so when I began to see those things, that was very painful for me. But that also began the process of me having to love myself anyway, even though I have these grubs. And to me, that's like recovery in a nutshell. What are my grubs? How'd they get there? Naming my grubs. Yeah. Realizing that other people also have grubs, their own, but also some of the same ones as me. And then how can I begin to heal those things um, so that they aren't driving my behavior and my life all the time? I hope that makes a little bit of sense. It does. You know, and, and today we are talking about, uh, we'd use the phrase giving and receiving freely, right? That's the path forward. Yes. At least in our experience, uh, this is uh, how we've chosen to share it. And this is how I've experienced it. And of course, uh, anybody who's familiar with um, recovery organization or 12-step community very quickly realizes that service is, what is it, one of the three pillars Mm-hmm. of recovery and that service begins it's the stereotypical making of the coffee yes right who's going to make the coffee i had i had a i i know of uh, someone in recovery who was living quite a um living high on the hog life and she explained uh excuse i don't make the coffee people make the coffee for me that's yeah. how this works and she was of course you know telling on herself uh, sharing where she had come from yeah. and how important it was for her. Like, no, you make the coffee for others also. Yeah. This is, you're not the diva here. Right. Any, anymore, you know? <clears throat> so this, this idea of service that can begin right there in the home group, help yes. clean up. Hey, let's it's Friday. And we always move the chairs and sweep the room on Friday. So, Hey, give a hand help us move yeah. some chairs grab a broom or or whatever it might be there's so many little things that can be done what a wonderful place to begin yeah. and then to kind of my experience or take that joy out into the world and one of my favorite phrases that i ever heard and i feel like i can picture myself when i very first heard this well one of them not this one but one of them was someone said they were in the, in a member of the cia I was like, what is that Catholic Irish alcoholic? I thought that was hilarious. And the, But I've this other that. one was this, I'm a member of the Secret Service. Why? Because I go around and I do things for other people in a way that nobody knows about. Yeah. It. And then yeah. I don't go to the meeting and tell and everyone. About how, how I know, I I'm a literally, I'm only sharing about it now to illust- illustrate the concept. But yeah. it can be little things like... Um, one thing I had done here and there, this doesn't happen as much anymore because vending machines all take cards. Remember when oh. you have to use coins, oh, and, yeah. and coins. Anyway, yes. the little the little change slot where you get your quarter back and change or whatever, just yeah. like go buy a candy bar and leave it in there. Yeah. For someone yeah. because I know yeah. that 
like it's this completely ridiculously outside joyous feeling like i just won the lottery because i found a quarter it's like a treasure i found a quarter in the in the change slot of a. or when you drive up to a parking meter and it has like 15 minutes left on it you're so happy look i got 15 minutes for free that's a great example because what you can do is put time on someone else's meter again maybe i need some new examples i'm starting to date myself yeah we gotta update our examples (laughs) because right now what do you get out your phone and create an account and type in your slot number (laughs) Anyway, but the point is you look for opportunities to do things for no reason at all that you're never going to tell anyone about. You don't even go home and tell your significant other, your roommate, spouse, uh, mom, dad, whatever it is, sibling. You don't even go tell them, hey, guess what I did today? You just smile and know that it was a joyful experience to do it. Yeah. Yeah, so I was talking earlier about the bondage of self, that this this being so focused on ourselves is not, you know, it's a form of bondage. It's not fun. And so we want to begin to get out of that, right? And of course, that naturally begins to happen as we begin to heal our core wounds. That's just part of the process. But we also, like you said, we learn early, early in recovery to get we say, we call it getting out of ourselves because in recovery, we do spend a lot of time thinking and talking about ourselves. Um, but we need to have times of getting out of ourselves. And the way that we do that is through service. And you described it really wonderfully about, boy, there's so many opportunities for service in 12-step groups, whether it's an actual service position of, okay, I'll be literature person. I think they still have literature. We're a little outdated here. Oh, no. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Or coffee person, or even better, just doing something that you're not even the indicated person for, right? Just um, like you said, just helping put away chairs. Just Yeah, help take care of it. Yeah. And then, of course, this also extends into helping one another with our recovery, right? Being willing to... Um, you know, give someone your phone number and answer a call, being willing to be someone's sponsor, being willing to pick someone up and take them to a meeting, um, asking someone to join you for coffee after the meeting, whatever, all these ways that we reach out to others. It doesn't have to be formal sponsorship. It could be just being one among many, which we also talk about, right? It doesn't have to be, because being a sponsor, of course, has its own sense of glory, right? Oh, I'm a sponsor. I'm such a big shot. But just helping someone out without having the glory, you know, and we do that every time we show up to a meeting, maybe a meeting that we didn't, technically, we didn't need that meeting, or we didn't really feel like going to that meeting, but we go anyway, because we know that there was somebody there when we needed that meeting, and we went, there was somebody in that seat, so we go to just be that butt in the seat, and we, and we don't, just being that butt in the seat We have helped someone already that day, someone who came in and was new and needed to walk in and see a circle of people sitting there, someone who, you know, you go in, you share your truth, you tell on yourself, you just share authentically what's going on with you, and you have no idea how it helps somebody else that day. But it always does, right? Because that's just the beauty of the program. That's how it works. So there's many, many ways that we can be in service, just showing up authentically and sharing what we're working on, what we're going through, not in a like, I've mastered it all kind of way, but just in a, this is what I'm doing. This is whatever point we are in our recovery, this is how I'm getting through what's going on in my life. I mean, I know that I watched so many people come into rooms and share, um, you know, things that they were going through and how they survived it, how they coped 
with it, how they walked through it with dignity and grace. And those are the shares that really impacted me. And then when it was my turn to go through something, I had that example of how someone I respected, someone who stayed sober, how they walked through it. So these are all ways that we are of service to one another in the program. And that's why it's such an awesome, beautiful program. Yes, I agree. Another thing I was remembering about a simple way to be of service is through uh, free cycling, right? It's like recycling, but you're giving stuff away for free. And I found a great way to do that is through Facebook Marketplace. So uh -huh. if you're on Facebook at all, there's a thing called Facebook Marketplace where you can buy and sell stuff. Well, you can quote sell stuff for zero dollars. Uh -huh. I've done this so many times. Like in my house, I had... One example, it's coming to mind because I'm looking over across the room and I'm seeing a guitar, right? I play the guitar. And for some reason, I had a, a, an electric guitar bag. It's like cheaper than a case, right? But it protects the guitar. And I didn't need it. I'm not sure exactly how I came to have it, but it's also not trash, right? I feel right. really bad about putting the trash. So I'm like, duh, I just took a picture of it, put it on Facebook Marketplace, literally set it outside leaning against the mailbox or whatever and say come and get it and someone's yeah. like it's like the greatest thing yes whether they're picking it up because that's exactly what they needed or maybe they have a business where they sell stuff on ebay yeah that's fine with me please yeah. just get it in somebody's hand in work. fact if you can sell it that's a double win because yes. i get it gone you get to have it and you get to make money that's even better yes so and that's a simple planet. way yeah so this, you know, we talk about how, how does this doing this, so we're, we're calling it a, as if it's a, a spiritual power of service, and certainly it could be seen that way. So how does doing these kinds of things help me move away from this whole what's in it for me mm -hmm. approach to life and into what we're calling today gracious giving? I love that phrase, just gracious. You could call it free will giving, mm -hmm. joyful giving. It just means there's no strings attached so i'm going to go all scripture on us here for a second and this isn't this we are team jesus but this isn't jesus this is from the book of james i love this uh james chapter 1 verse 5 says if any of you is lacking in wisdom ask god who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to you not mm -hmm. and it might be given to you not if you're mm -hmm. lucky you may stumble on it it will be given to you if you're lacking, ask God. And I I'm going to highlight these two words, generously and ungrudgingly. Mm -hmm. The way that God gives is more than you ever asked for with yes. no strings attached whatsoever. Yeah. That's what ungrudgingly means. It's not means, well, I guess I'm going to have to bail you out again. You know, yeah. that's <laughs> grudgingly. It's like, well, I'll give this to you if you come wash my car next week. That's grudgingly. That's not yeah. the way God gives. And so to me, that's not how we're to give. Yeah, I mean, God is this this source of all love and all wisdom and all goodness, right? And it is, I love how Emily Katie talks about it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to quote it exactly, but she expresses it in a way that God, God is just seeking to give of itself. That's the nature of God. God wants to expand and be expressed through all living things through all all beings and so if you think about it when we ask for something that godness that power of goodness and love is like oh goody i get to express over here i get to you know what i'm saying yeah, like yeah. i get to ex 
expand myself and that's what God wants to do. So I, that's the way I understand it. So when we ask, the reason it's fulfilled so quickly is because God wants to express through us and we're opening a channel for that expression to come through. So it's kind of a different way of thinking it, thinking of it rather than giving and receiving. You can think of it as opening up channels for God to express God's self through us. Exactly. So. You know, I've come to understand that, you know, in, in the concept of this playground that we call life, that there's <laughs> in, infinite resource. Now, I know that our we could kill our planet, and I don't mean literally, I mean like cosmically, yeah. um, infinite resource. What is it? Rain diamonds on Neptune or whatever. I mean, the, <laughs> the point is that if we choose to look at it this way, we find it to be so. And I have a way of saying it that I came across that I liked, or this is how I teach it often. Because, you know, I teach spiritual growth principles, what I've come to call um, spiritual finance principles, which is rooted in tithing. I'm not going to try and teach tithing right now. Maybe next time I will. (laughs) But it's this, if I want to experience a generous universe, and I do. If I want to experience a generous universe, I must show up as a generous presence in mm-hmm. this universe. That is mm-hmm. how it works. Mm-hmm. It's it won't, you know, I it's like not like, well, I'll be generous when the universe is generous to me. It's the other way around. Right. The universe can be generous to me when I am willing to show up in a generous way or as a generous presence, as we say. Well, it is time now for recovery in a nutshell. Uh, This is when we try to summarize the various pieces of all that we have just shared uh, in in the ways we find most helpful, and we do it by posing a hypothetical question or a situation, and uh, we always put Reverend Michelle on the spot and say, (laughs) Reverend Michelle, in a nutshell, uh, if someone came to you and said, how can, you know, give me the, give me the 30 second or one minute um, take on all this. Yeah. How can gracious giving, how can what you're calling gracious giving help me? And what are some of, what are some simple ways? Give me three like simple ways I can practice it. Well, you know, I talked already about how we can do this in the 12 step program by putting away chairs, being coffee person, putting out literature. But I want to extend that to how we can do this in our church community, because this program is about the intersection of unity teachings and um, 12-step recovery. So assuming that some of you, hopefully most of you are involved in a unity community. And so, boy, being part of a church just provides endless opportunities to be of service. Endless, really. There's so much that needs getting done in a church. And 90% of it is done by volunteers. So if you've just been sort of casually attending a unity church and you like that church, I invite you to take it up a notch, you know, um, offer to be a greeter and usher, you know, offer to clean up the pews after the service and put the, you know, envelopes back or whatever it is. I mean, you can start out with small things. We also need usually coffee makers at church, you know, they probably need someone to run the PowerPoint. They probably need, I mean, there's so many things that need to be done in a church. The thing is, is when we step up into service, we are deeply rewarded by it because we begin to feel better about ourselves. And most of us came in feeling pretty crappy about ourselves. And one of the ways we feel better about ourselves is by 
starting to do better things, starting to do good things. So when we give of ourselves and we, and we act in service, it begins to build that self-esteem. So, and we also begin to feel a part of whatever community we're giving service to, and that greatly furthers our growth. So I would say yeah. get involved and do service. Totally. And I'm remembering now early in our discussion, one thing that I have come to believe I was lacking is connection, right? Yes. I never really learned heart connection that I could trust. Mm -hmm. That's what sort of drove me into um, the situation I was in. So my response is, how can grace, grace is giving help you? Well, just try it, you know, just start mm -hmm. to jump in and, and do things, do the secret service thing, just sort of make a game out of looking for opportunities to do good things without anyone knowing that you've done them, mm -hmm. you know, drop a dollar on the sidewalk and don't look back as you walk away from it, for example. And then just like you're saying, ask the, you know, ask the group leadership, whether the group is the church or, or a 12-step home group, just literally this question, what can I do to help? Mm -hmm. What can I do that would be helpful? What can I do right now that would be helpful? And then whatever comes up, learn the second part is learn to say yes to service opportunities. Now, within reason, I have had friends in recovery who's, uh, you know, have had a major issue of trying to save everyone and do everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if no, that's, that's your thing, different. then you need to work with your sponsor mm -hmm. on what are, what's a reasonable amount of things to say yes to. If your yeah. default is say yes to everyone. But in general, learn to say yes within reason to recovery service opportunities and or church and or whatever at your place of work. Yeah, just because it's this time of year, this is giving is on my mind a lot right now. If you have the financial means, give and give generously. And, and it doesn't have to be just to recovery or just to your church community. Um, you know, I recently made my year end giving I give to various organizations um, in our community, the food bank and the SPCA and things like that. And that sure feels good. And let me tell you, they need volunteers to do work, but mostly they need money so that the work that they're already doing well can continue to be done. So that's just to give people another idea. In addition to my tithing that I give to my own church, I also tithe to the community by donating to organizations that I know are doing work in the community that I believe in. So that's just a little reminder. Yeah, we could, do, we could do an episode on spiritual finance. Let's, yeah, let's talk about that. I'm deep in it again. I yeah. like what you're saying there. Well, just to sort of drive all of this home, we have an affirmation as always. And our affirmation today is I give openly and freely and I am blessed. And that is true. When we give openly and freely, we are indeed blessed. Right. Generously and ungrudgingly. I give openly and freely and I am blessed. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another episode of Spirit of Recovery. And we are so grateful. We hope that you found something in all of our blabbering today that you find genuinely helpful. We bless you wherever you are on your own recovery journey. And as always, we invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. You can find us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, or you can email us at spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. And please also help us carry the message by following and subscribing to Spirit of Recovery on your favorite podcast platform. We're so glad you joined us today, and we hope that you'll join us again. But until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, do not drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. 
I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.